Triple Play Fantasy's football show with D. Mindy, Brastadamus, Doc, and Johnny Foosball starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. We are a proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network and the FantraxHQ.com family. D. Mendy here. I'm joined as always by Johnny Foosball, John Van Etten. John, how much were you in love with the Chiefs goal line package plays this past weekend? I, I don't know if Mahomes has thrown an actual pass in the red zone. I'm serious. <laughs> I just would like to say you've completely ruined the Chiefs in the red zone for me because every single time Mahomes can take a shovel pass, a I'm shovel like, pass to Kelsey, a shovel pass to Tyreek Hill, a screen to, to Nicole I, I used to completely enjoy every single touchdown that they scored, and now there's like a little voice in the back of my head that you're there being like, it's not a real touchdown. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> good gimmick. Just anytime they score, gimmick. Eric, the enemy's gone. Mahomes won't be able to do anything. Uh, I, I'm. It's an Andy Reid offense. The enemy definitely helps out, but that those aren't going anywhere. But I don't want to leave out our other guy here, guy who likes to hedge his bets. That's the Doc Eric Mendelson. What's going on? Oh man, you know I bet on the Chiefs uh, winning by uh, four or losing, and I was totally happy to to lose that. But unfortunately, they won. You are the king of hedging your bets, so you're happy one way or the other. I guess it's a way to go. Exactly. I'm throwing multiple hundred on the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. It's worth losing that amount of money to see you unhappy. Fair enough. Also, no Bradstradamus today. So we're going to go right to what's in the huddle. In the huddle today, we have fantasy football's most wanted. And we saw the last of a lot of players at the end of their current team situations at the end of this past season. However, many may not be in their current homes. So our job with this crew is where can we find them in the 2021 season. And we are going to be doing that with CBS fantasy football analyst, Jamie Eisenberg. So make sure to stay tuned for that. After we'll go to our question of the week, which player would you feel most comfortable and least comfortable babysitting your children? And as always, we have our game of the week revealed at the end of the show. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we're here to do it for you. Let's get it going. News and notes starting us off here. The Super Bowl is set. Chiefs versus Bucks. Boo. Johnny, Johnny, what were your thoughts on the conference championship games and the Super Bowl ahead? It went just about the worst way it could have for me um, between the teams who ended up making it. So we are we are fully on the Team Brady train. Let's let's win another one. And you know they always say the team that loses the Super Bowl, you know, does bad the next year. So. Beat the Chiefs now, and this starts the decline. Doc, please give me some positive vibes. I don't like feeling down when he talks. John, that was beautiful. Amazing. (laughs) I don't think I could have said it any better. We need to appreciate Tom Brady. There is never going to be another one like him. The Bucs haven't made it to the the postseason since 2007. So let's root for a new team to win. The Chiefs won last year. And let's root for one David Mendelssohn to be unhappy. Amen. The only downside is that means Antonio Brown gets a Super Bowl trophy. 
Would you rather see Patrick Mahomes or Antonio Brown win a Super Bowl? Antonio Brown. Tom Brady. Antonio Brown. I, I will not be able to handle a, wait, wait. an offseason of Mahomes is already the greatest quarterback of all time, despite throwing 30% of the time just screen passes or slants. Wait, wait. Would you rather have Antonio Brown win a Super Bowl or Tyreek Hill win another one? Exactly. Exactly. Let's, yeah, let's come on. Let's compare apples and apples, David. I mean, I'm just looking at the potentially the greatest quarterback of all time. God. Just uh, Thomas, Thomas Brady. You mean? I mean, it, if Mahomes gets two and Brady has six, and he's one and zero against Brady in the Super Bowl, that's a a pretty good start to have two Super Bowls in your first three seasons. David, can we just talk about it? The Bills game that nobody was within ten yards of Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill every single season, play. David, all right. I'm not going to take any more Chiefs slander. Let's move on to. I, I do want to ask you guys this though. The since we're talking about the Chiefs, I want to talk about the other game, the Bucks and the Packers for a second. That holding call on Kevin King, was it the right call? Should that have call have been made, Doc? So it was pass interference. It was not called the entire game. And if it wasn't consistent, you can't let the game end like that. Johnny, you same I, thing? I just I, I get annoyed by people who say the refs through the game when they were still losing it's not like it was like a pass interference that set the bucks up on the one for a go-ahead score or something they still had to go score after the bucks had already stopped them in the red zone it's they're really like counting their chickens before they hatch there like if that doesn't get called in the packers win is not really a realistic scenario i agree i mean i think it's hard because like you guys were saying if you haven't called a game like that all game I think it's hard to. I think they it's a late flag, and they saw the that jersey. Was, that, that was the killer. Was that he took about a minute to throw it? <laughs> I think they didn't weren't going to throw it until they saw the jersey. It was went from like a, a small to an XL. So I think they were literally like, okay, that's the visual evidence. We're going to throw it, and that's that's at least what I think. But I could see as a Packers fan being really upset, and as a Bucks fan being like, that's the right call. They made the right call. End of story. So. I, I just think the like Packers fans and, and people who are complaining about the call were really putting the cart before the horse there. They, they still had to go score a touchdown in a minute. It's not really a guarantee. And to be honest, the bigger issue is them not going forward on fourth down because even if you don't get it, they're stopped on the eight rather than midfield. Well, that's the interesting part too because if you go for it and you get it and you don't get the two-point conversion, you're going to stop and, and a yeah. field goal wins the game. So that's why I'm very just – it doesn't make sense. I don't think anybody's been arguing for what Matt LaFleur did, so I don't want to waste everybody's time. Everybody knows it was the wrong call. The decision he did it, I have no idea why. So Can we, can we just talk quickly, and, and I know that we've gone on longer this on this segment, that teams have not been aggressive – this postseason, the Titans had fourth and two in Ravens territory down in the fourth quarter and they punted it. The Steelers had fourth and one and they punted it. And the Ra or the Packers kicked a field goal and they are all eliminated. Teams need to be aggressive in the playoffs. It's called coaching scared. And you look at Andy Reid. I know you guys, I, obviously I'm a Chiefs fan. Fourth and one, he's throwing it with on fourth and one with Chad Henney. How more aggressive are you than that? Oh, I love, I love Andy Reid. Andy Reid is a great coach. And Eric, I know you'll, I don't want to bring back too many bad memories, but the 49ers game in the Super Bowl last year, every single fourth down, they went for it. Uh, but that was bad coaching on Kyle Shanahan. Come on. But I'm just saying, I think you have to be aggressive. People aren't going to get 
people aren't going to get on you for lack of aggression or for being over aggressive because you have to be. I think in today's day and age, you need to be really aggressive. You need to trust your players. And that, that stems from on the field, in the locker room. You're not going for it. Players are, don't want to play for you. They, they, you know, especially a defense that had just given up 31 points in the Packers. You're trusting that defense to go against the Bucs. Again, not for you're, me. You're, you're right. Andy Reid is a great coach, which takes away from Patrick Mahomes. All right. I'm moving on. There have been a lot of coaching hires since we were last on here, talking news and notes. Urban Meyer to Jacksonville. Dan Campbell to Detroit. He's going to break some kneecaps. Robert Sala to the Jets. Arthur Smith to Atlanta. Brandon Staley to the Chargers. Nick Sirianni to Philadelphia. So it's been a lot of coaching moves. Johnny, which move is your most favorite, and which one are you the most puzzled by? I don't like the Urban Meyer one at all. Like He's left multiple college teams multiple times for health issues, quote unquote. Like it, I just, I don't like it at all. It, it's oh, totally less stressful to be in the NFL, or maybe it's less stressful to not have any recruiting violations coming up. I don't know. He's smart. He waited until the perfect opportunity. He's going to have the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence. He's going to have the most salary cap space in the NFL. And they have some of the, uh, the biggest amount of draft picks. <laughs> so I, like, I just don't like the, the urban Meyer hire. I like the New York jets hire. That's yeah, a Robert Sala is a good hire. He's going to help bring some stability there that needed longs needed stability. Doc, what about you? So I feel the opposite. I love the urban Meyer hire just for his name. I mean, think about it. Like when they brought in Tom Coughlin, it's like, okay, we're going to have a GM that has a big name, but he was a little old school. If you're urban Meyer, people that might've played for you in college or respect you as a head coach that are now in the NFL, Jacksonville is now a favorable destination. And he hopefully won't have any health issues pop up. And there is less uh, rules does, and regulations. That does you he know he can't about. tamper, though? I'm sure he'll, he'll the same thing will happen. Somehow he'll find a way to get some tampering violations and he'll he, have to. He, he could. Hire. For me, the, the hire I like least is Robert Sala. And I know that he had to get a coaching job because the 49ers defense was good. I think he's more of a motivator. He's somebody that gets players pumped up. But he ran the the cover three scheme that uh, basically the Seahawks had during their Legion of Boom time. And it's built by having really good pass rushers, which the 49ers excel in. In terms of the X's and O's and actually the the coaching, I think he's not as good as everybody hypes him up to be. But if the players like him and play hard for him, that's the other half of coaching. The one thing about Urban Meyer, I'll say he could retire in two years because of health problems. He seems to constantly step away. <laughs> he could retire in two months. Yeah, that's the Bye one day. thing. Because I don't, I don't know how much of it is health problems, how much of it is pending recruiting issues. That's why I, I, there's a little bit of I, I'm I'm in a little bit more in the middle on it. I I think it's a big name which is going to help bring players, but as far as his coaching and the stability, that's where I'm a little concerned about the move. But I'm excited for all the Jacksonville fans that I think for the first time, maybe in our lifetimes, they have any kind of hope to actually contend. So uh, good for them. Let's move here to the next bit of news. Philip Rivers has announced his retirement after 17 seasons. Doc, what will be your lasting memory of him? And do you think, uh, who do you think will be starting for the Colts in 2021? So my, my lasting memory is actually something I heard this year. I think Matthew Barry said, Philip Rivers played 17 years, didn't miss a game, and never had a 30-point fantasy day. I can't get that out of my head. That's going to be your memory of him? That is going to be my memory of him. 
because we play fantasy football. We're not Chargers fans or we're not Colts fans. And then for my pick of who is going to be the Colts quarterback, stay tuned for the rest of the show. All right. Johnny, I guess you'll give the same tease. So then let's ask, what's your memory of him? I just have a lasting memory of him complaining after any plays that's ever happened that went against the Chargers or Colts of him just frowning and, and not cursing at the referee, but saying something else. And just, he, he, he was just always yapping at the referees. It's all I can, all I can picture. I think the, the dang gummit and all yeah. the things, all, I think his non lack of cursing. And it's funny when we had Vincent Jackson on that seemed the part that kind of light him up the most when we brought up about Philip rivers, I think that's what everybody thinks of him mostly. And then maybe the yeah. nine kids too. Just like these smug faces he makes when he's, arguing with the referees. It's very weird that that class is pretty much almost done now that Ben Roethlisberger is the only one standing uh, as far as the quarterbacks go. And he may be done this year or next year, but it makes you really feel like we're getting old. But let's go to the last bit of news here. NFL to give 7,500 vaccinated healthcare workers free tickets for the Super Bowl, total of 22,000 expected to be at Super Bowl 55. Doc, what are your thoughts on them allowing 22,000 in the stadium. They should not do that. There is still a pandemic with record high amount of cases each day. I understand people are getting vaccinated, but it is way too soon to have that that high amount of people in a closed environment. Johnny? It just seems like, you know, we're, we're right there. We have the vaccine. There are people are getting out. And why, why it's like Deshaun Jackson, you know, he's he's in the clear and he just drops the ball at the one before he gets in. Like, why, why not just see it out? You know, it's not like a money thing for the NFL. Like, 22000 is not going to change the NFL's salary cap next year. It just seems unnecessary. Yeah, I think you guys, let me ask you this, because do you think the 7,500 healthcare workers was a, a kind of a, let's gift wrap this at the top so everybody's going to think we're doing something nice and try to cover the fact that they have 22000 in the stadium? Totally. It's like the yeah. fact that, it's, it's like the fact that NFL donates stuff to breast cancer awareness uh, during October, but then there's domestic abuse issues and players are allowed to play the following season. You agree as well, Johnny? Yeah, it's, it's, it's window dressing for letting 15,000 other fans into the game. I agree. I think it's, the NFL is a very interesting league, to put it mildly. I think it's 100% why they made sure they publicized that headline. Uh, it, it's you shouldn't be having that many people in the stadium at this point. Not, and I've heard it could potentially get worse in areas in Florida as well. So it's not a responsible decision. And again, uh, can't condone that type of those type of actions. But we're not a negative pod. Let's turn a positive spin on here and talk about how much you love this show. And if you love this show, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and basketball show that you can check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about lighten up the Apple Podcast app with a five-star rating and review to support the show. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy. Eric and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions, bad takes, and of course, our weekly episode drops. So you had a bad day, you're taking one down, you listen to a podcast just to turn it around, you say you don't know, you tell me which one, I give you a smile and I say triple play, you had a bad day, you see triple play, give us a listen, one more time, triple play, ooh.
Keep on joining us. Pitch Perfects is your favorite. Which Pitch Perfects is my favorite? I've never seen any of them. It was you, David, because that was Pitch Perfect, baby. Oh, dude, I I love you the best. Make sure if you want to hear more singing and Johnny Foosball compliments for me that you keep on joining us for amazing off-season of football content with no shortage of amazing guests. Thank you to our loyal listeners for your continued support each and every single week. And we're going to jump right into Fantasy Football's Most Wanted with Jamie Eisenberg right after this quick break. We welcome in a man that some might call the Steve Spurrier Fantasy Analyst. Fantasy Football, an NFL analyst for CBS Sports, CBS Fantasy Sports, and CBS Sports HQ. This former Gator got his start in the papers, but now has been writing about fantasy sports since 2006. You can find this man on the Fantasy Football Today podcast or in the winner's circle, taking home fantasy trophies from all sports. The father of not just three boys, but about to father the doc when schooling him in some fantasy knowledge today. We are talking with the Jamie Eisenberg. Jamie, the girls love you, man. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's a hell of an intro. <laughs> <laughs> Just for you, man. Uh, first, I thought it was interesting when I was reading up a little bit of a bio about you, and you said that uh, on CBS that there are three guys that kind of helped uh, shape the influence for how you talk about football, and that being Steve Spurrier, Don Shula, and uh, uh, I don't know why, and Jimmy Johnson. Mm-hmm. So. I thought it was kind of interesting, and you you can help tell me if I'm stretching this too far, okay? So I figured Steve Spurrier, with his resume, has so many accomplishments. Same with you. You have a great accomplished resume. You have the Don Shula in you because you have that my way or the highway approach, which I feel like you kind of are more firm with your takes than any of the other guys on the CBS uh, Fantasy Football Today show, but you're also flexible enough to change them. So you have that Don Shula in you, and then you're a winner because he won two times, he won this two-time Super Bowl champ, and then you also win your league. So I felt like that you kind of encompassed all three of your guys, no? I mean, I, I think based on the intro and that description, I'm going to have to hire you as my agent. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hell of a way to, uh, to, to, to set me up. I'll, I'll come on your show whenever you want, <laughs> based on those, those superlatives. Um, uh, so just to you know, give you a quick background. So I, I went to the University of Florida, um, as, you, as you alluded to. Uh, when I was there, Steve Spurrier was the coach. So I got a chance to cover him um, as part of the school paper. So, you know, to learn at the foot of uh, one of the best offensive minds in, in, in football, college, uh, a little bit of pro, but mostly at the college level. Um, I grew up a Dolphins fan. I covered the Dolphins. So um, Don Shula was uh, the guy that I, you know, studied as a kid and, um, you know, watched how he adapted to um, – I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit, but I'm not this old. But obviously he was a, a run-first defensive coach. Um, at, at the start of his Dolphins tenure uh, with what the Dolphins looked like in those 70s teams. And then he got one of the best quarterbacks ever, and he adapted his teams and his offenses to uh, reflect what Dan Marino did. So, uh, And then when I was covering the team, uh, it was part of my newspaper days, uh, was the Jimmy Johnson uh, tenure into the Dave Wanstead uh, era as well and uh, the 58 coaches that have come since then. But um, uh, Jimmy Johnson was, uh, was certainly an interesting character for sure. So uh, three, three very, you know, uh, well-respected, uh, highly, uh, successful coaches. And, 
uh, you know, whether watching or being around them uh, has been a benefit, I, I think, to how I've approached uh, my, my football career, per se. And it's interesting because, again, I talking about how you've been a fan of the Dolphins, I know you still live in Florida doing the, the CBS shows and stuff down there. I feel like you also do a really good job of not kind of being a homer when you're on your, your broadcast. I'm not a fan at all. I'm not a fan at all. So uh, growing up, and this is part of the probably the toughest thing that I ever had to do. So I grew up diehard Dolphins fan, love Dan Marino. Uh, you know, uh, if you say you idolize a player, idolize a player. Um, mm-hmm. My first year covering the team was uh, 1999, was uh, his final season. And so first time going in the locker room, being at a press conference, uh, you know, standing – uh, a few feet from him, asking him questions myself um, and trying to reel in the fandom. The, the, the one thing that I think um, I was blessed with at the school paper that I worked for at, at the University of Florida is called The Alligator. Um, they stripped us of being a fan. They beat that into us. You know, if you're going to work here and, and cover the Gators, you can't be a Gators homer. And so um, – I quickly lost my love for the Dolphins, which which I have yet to gain back. And as you referenced, I have three kids. Uh, the oldest is eight. Uh, the the middle one is six, and the youngest is two. The two older ones are starting to get into sports uh, more and more. And whatever teams I think they gravitate toward is the ones that I'll probably gravitate toward. But to uh, but to, to watch the football game objectively after uh, you know um, hanging on every Fouad Revez field goal. Um, and Pistoyanovich kick, uh, you know, th- those, th- those, those days are hard to uh, remember because I, I just don't have that rooting interest anymore. It is very interesting because I feel like, does that natural instinct not kick in for any team you watch? Or is it more you're just kind of suited to, hey, I have these guys in fantasy. I have 60% share of these guys. So that's who I'm kind of taking that rooting interest and kind of putting it towards, right? It's, it's totally into my fantasy players, for sure. It's uh, into my picks. I, I'm sure you guys you know, experience mm-hmm. it well. You, know, you, you, you go out on a limb picking a guy, and you want that guy to obviously have success, so you root for him. And, um, I have the, uh, the joy and, and the pain of uh, working with some coworkers who root for me to fail from the <laughs> standpoint of they like to pick on me um, in, in, in all good fun. Uh, but uh, I, I, since leaving uh, college, I, I've now regained my fandom for the Gators because I don't have to worry about that from a job perspective. So mm-hmm. I, I, I live and die with, uh, with the Florida sports. Team. And I'm sure you're going to be talking about Kyle Pitts all oh, off season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, last thing before we kind of get started in here, I know during the season, it's incredibly busy for you. You guys are pumping out pods every single day. You go on HQ. Is things slowed down a little bit for you since the season ended? Or are you still full grinding every day doing stuff? So HQ, we do, um, uh, it's, a, it's our 24-hour streaming network, and we do our Fantasy Football Today show every day at noon during the season. And then at Sunday, it's, it's uh, our pregame show. It's uh, 10 to 1. That stops completely. Um, I still do hits for HQ because uh, we just don't do a fantasy show because there's no no real need. So, you know, they, they use me as an NFL analyst. Uh, you know, I do DFS plays during the, the weekend for, for the playoff games. Uh, but our podcast keeps going. We've, we've still been three days a week. Um, you know, I mean, I think you guys uh, are, are obviously, uh, you know, well aware of what the podcast audience is and, and how much people consume it. So, you know, we try to feed that that consumption as best we can. Um, uh, our host, Adam Mazur, is uh, amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. My colleague, Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, uh, Chris Towers are fantastic. So it's fun to still talk football with them, even though the season's over. Yeah, we've had Adam Azer on our baseball show a little while back, and Chris is actually coming on next week for baseball. CBS crew is the, by far the best. I love listening to you guys, and Thank you guys you. are always great coming on the shows. Uh, but we have the right guy here for what we're going to be talking about today in Jamie Eisenberg. 
because today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about fantasy football's most wanted. So my question to you guys, have you seen these men? People are having trouble finding these guys. We last saw these players at their current, at the end of their team's current seasons. However, many may not be back in their current homes. Question is, where can we find them? Where will they be in the fantasy landscape? Not only have we had their pictures posted on milk cartons, posters, and social media, but we've got three cops here to do the job to help get these on track and get these guys tracked down. So, cops, these five men I'm about to ask you, I need you to tell me where can we expect them to be next season. And we are going to start off with our first guy here, and that's Deshaun Watson. Have you seen this man? He's been seen photoshopped on jerseys from over half the NFL. After requesting a trade, he's the apple of many an eye. Last seen in the Houston area, where I think he's currently under contract. So, Jamie, where is Deshaun Watson? Where can we find him in 2021? To be honest, I hope he stays where he is. Uh, you know, I, I think we saw what he's capable of. You know, obviously there was a lot of concern about losing DeAndre Hopkins and, and what would he become, how would he perform, um, how dependent on him was, how dependent was he on one of the best receivers in the game. And I think he showed you how good he could be, you know, with Will Fuller, without Will Fuller. Uh, he, he was he was the centerpiece of this offense. I thought he could be an MVP candidate um, going into the season. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's hard to say that he's going to be significantly better anywhere else. So if you're asking me where I'd like to see him play, it would probably be where he's going to play. Uh, I mean, the Jets seem to be the most logical choice based on the compensation they have to offer, uh, his interest, you know, if you're, if you're following the reports. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be a bad situation from an offensive line that's building. Uh, I hope a good offensive coordinator and, and Matt LaFleur's younger brother and Michael LaFleur. Um, they got to add some weapons, clearly. But uh, if, if I have my choice, I'd like to see him stay in Houston and bring back Will Fuller for another run. And, and that's how you know his fandom of the Dolphins is gone because he did not once say <laughs> Tua and two first-rounders for Deshaun. <laughs> that's true. Uh, Johnny, what about you? Where do you think he's going? I wanted to go to the Dolphins. I think it would be fun. I mean, Tua, obviously, I think there's a lot of lot there for him, but he's like a work in progress, and the Dolphins look like they are a stud quarterback away from being actual contenders with that defense. So that would be fun. <laughs> Jamie, do you think that Tua can get there just from what you've seen a little of him, or do you think it's still too early to tell? I think it's too early to tell. You know, it, it, it's kind of unfair, I think, that he's being compared to, and, and understandably so, you know, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow for what those guys were because they were the, the three guys that were drafted in the top ten, and, and obviously the, the, the spotlight was on all three of them. Tua's coming off a hip injury. He was one, going into a situation with, you know, none of these guys had off-seasons, but clearly the other two guys didn't need it. Um he, his weapons were the worst of those other guys. I mean, you know, Herbert inherits Keenan Allen, who's one of the best receivers in the game. Um, they, they give Joe Burrow T. Higgins. He has Tyler Boyd. He has A.J. Green for what it's worth. You know, Devontae Parker is in the mix with those guys, clearly, but Preston Williams gets hurt. Mike Gusecki didn't, you know, necessarily mesh well with them. Chan Gailey's, you know, 100 years old. So um, I, I think a full offseason will help him. Uh, it's, it's too soon, I think, to write him off, but – I think Johnny's got a point. You know, if, if the Dolphins are able to make that happen, then you have a, a, a offensive line that's right there. Uh, hopefully they can add a piece or two. And, and you got to assume that it's, it's certainly going to happen in, you know, with the Jets because everybody loves Robert Sala. Um, so they're going to they're going to draw people. The Dolphins, I think, will draw people because I think people respect Brian Flores, state tax matters, uh, weather matters, you know, so all those things will come to play. But 
Uh, wherever Watson goes, if those are the two main options, which it seems to be, he's going to he's gonna bring some people with him. Maybe it's an Allen Robinson. Maybe it's a, you know, a, a smaller-scale guy like a T.Y. Hilton. But th- there'll be guys that will follow that will help his receiving core, and I think he'll be a very good fantasy option in one of those spots. And who knows, maybe ex-Raider great Lynn Bowden Jr. turns into a stud. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> Offensive Doc, weapon. <laughs> Doc, let's go to the ugliest person in the room here with those shades. Uh, but uh, go ahead, and who's your thoughts for Deshaun Watson? Sorry, I was getting into character. I'll stop acting if you want me to. Go ahead. Uh, so I think Deshaun Watson is out of Houston. I think when J.J. Watt made those comments of, sorry, we wasted one of your years, they were 4-12. and 12. They weren't close to competing. And despite losing DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson did lead the league in passing yards. I think since he has the no-trade clause, he's going to decide where he wants to go. And I think Miami is the best destination. I think offensively, they're better suited than the Jets. Robert Sala is a defensive-minded uh, coordinator coming from my team, the 49ers. I think Jamie hit the nail on the head when Brian Flores is respected. And if you're the Dolphins, you can give up Tua, who you were, who wasn't your closer, as Brian Flores would say. Mm-hmm. And you're giving up two first-rounders that you got in the Laramie Tunsil trade. So it's essentially you're doing another trade for Houston and getting Deshaun Watson for Laramie Tunsil and some picks. So... I think that's where he should decide to waive his no trade clause. All right. So a lot of Miami love. Let's go to the next one here. And I have a question. Have you seen this warrior? He fights through broken bones, muscle tears, and losing environments. He's finally set free from the NFC North basement and is out in the world somewhere that's not Detroit. So my question to you guys, where is Matthew Stafford, Jamie Eisenberg? You know, I, I think uh... – there's, there's two things for me here. There's fantasy and reality. I, I think fantasy, I'd like to see him. It's, it's a little bit off the beaten path, but Denver. Um, you know, yeah. I, I like the setup of the, the receiving core there. You know, when you factor in Noah Fant and obviously Jerry Judy and, and hopefully a healthy Corbin Sutton, um, they go four deep, you know, when you throw in KJ Hamlin or Tim Patrick. So there's a lot to like about those weapons. I, I think, you know, Garrett Bowles and, and what they have on the offensive line is good. Um, I think that's a system that would fit him. But reality-wise, the Colts seem to be the team that's most likely as the destination for him. Uh, you know, an offensive line that's great, uh, some cap to, you know, uh, hopefully get some help at the receiving core, you know, whether it's, again, bringing back a T.Y. Hilton or adding to it. Uh, Michael Pittman, you know, they'll use the tight ends, whoever, uh, of the trio that is still there. Uh, great run game as well. So uh, I think it'll be a good fantasy option there, but I don't think that maximizes his, his potential. Uh, for me, you know, actually the two the – two, my two favorite landing spots fantasy wise would be Denver and New Orleans. You know, if New Orleans could find a way to make that work as well. But uh, it seems as if Indianapolis is probably the most likely landing spot for me. Which I thought was kind of interesting because everybody was talking about how it was just going to be a matter of time before Wentz and Frank Wright got back together. And now it's kind of being pushed down a little bit more with the Stafford love. Because I saw, you know, photoshops of Stafford. I've seen that been floating around Twitter a lot. Uh, so it is an interesting thought, all those teams. Doc, did any of the ones that Jamie brought up kind of intrigue you for where you think he's going? I didn't even think about the Broncos at first, but it would totally be a John Elway move to trade for a quarterback who 32, you know, not, not entirely old, but doesn't have that, that durability, maybe not durability, but the super long career that you'd be looking for. For me, I think the 49ers are going to make a trade for him. He is Mm. one, he is, they are one year removed from the Super Bowl. I think Jimmy Garoppolo's best days are behind him. And it's easy to say as a Niners fan, they lost a lot of people to injury. They have a higher first round pick this year. So I could see them taking an impact player. 
And really still thinking that that Super Bowl window is open. They have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. They have uh, J- or, um, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert under contract next year. And I think Stafford would be the best quarterback that Shanahan has had in his time with San Francisco. And I see him wanting to pull the trigger. Jamie, do you think that the Lions are only going to trade him to the AFC just because they don't want to have to face him? Is that something that you think is a real factor here? I don't think so. You know, you have a new regime coming in, so I don't know you know, how much they're going to stick to. We have to, you know, avoid. I, you're not going to see him go to the NFC North. Let's just say for whatever reason the Packers had moved on or still move on, you know, from Aaron Rodgers, but it doesn't seem like that's likely. They wouldn't trade him to the Packers. I don't see them trading him to the Vikings or the Bears, you know, if that's uh, a potential situation. But I think at this point, you know, you look at it as they want to do right by Stafford, you know, based on what you're hearing. Uh, so they obviously want to get the best compensation. I, I, I'll ask you guys this because it's something we've talked about a lot. What do you think it takes to get Matthew Stafford? Because I don't think, as, as you alluded to, Doc, he's 32 years old. He's beaten up. Um, for me, it's a second-round pick. I, I don't see a first-round necessarily compensation having to go back to Detroit for them to move on from the contract and obviously make something work here to get it done. I, I, I've said two and a conditional, you know, so – could be a six that becomes a four if he makes a Pro Bowl. If they go to the Super Bowl, you know how those things work. So uh, for me, that's what it is. I'm curious what you guys think the trade value is from Matthew Stafford. Johnny, you want to go ahead and answer first? Yeah, I mean, I I can totally see the second round. I just from my heart, I couldn't trade a starting quarterback for less than a, a first because that's sort of what you where you want to get your next starting quarterback. But for the record, I didn't think about Denver either. And my, my fandom is, for the Raiders is still functional. So I would hate to see Stafford, Herbert, and uh, the gimmick artist Mahomes six times in a season. We're not, you're not spreading your Mahomes <laughs> hate to our guest here. So I will not tolerate that. Um, Doc, if you want to answer and then I'll, uh, I'll get my thoughts. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking a second and a third. I think any time that a first is attached, that just the, the value of the first – you have to be trading for an elite player that's on a, a good contract. Stafford's cap hit is about $27 million a year, so you have to factor that in as well. The team is going to have to absorb that big contract. Uh, but I think a team is only going to trade for him if they're in a win-now mode. So that might limit the amount of suitors that the, Lion, that the Lions could get, and maybe that price goes down even more. So just the only quick thought I have on it is – I think Adam Schefter was the one who reported that there's numerous teams that have already lined up trying to talk. So I think if there's that many teams that Schefter's talking about, it's going to be a bidding war. And I think ultimately may, might be a first round pick that gets it done. Maybe it's, maybe it's a back end first round pick or something, or, you know, a, you know, some, a team like new England comes in there, you know, a team that was coming off a mediocre season. It's not going to be a top 10 pick, but I think ultimately with all those teams going against each other to try to get him, that they might be able to get a first round pick out of it. Just my thoughts. Um, Let's move to the next guy here, though. And have you seen this guy? He was flying high as the number three overall pick not too long ago. And the peeps with his rights already seem tired of him. Maybe it's the bright lights. Maybe the he's a warm weather guy. He did come from Southern Cal. My question is, where is Sam Brad or Sam Darnold? Not Sam Brad. <laughs> Sam Darnold playing next year, Jamie. A lot of people might made that comparison, Sam Darnold, Sam Bradford. Um, <laughs> you know, it seemed it seemed like San Francisco uh, made some sense when you know you you saw where the draft was kind of playing out, and and they were looking like the one or the two um, based on you know some potential fit for for San Francisco. But I think the more you start to see it, one wouldn't shock me if he's still back with the Jets if in fact they feel like they can make him work on a, on a one year situation and spend their draft compensation elsewhere. 
uh, not necessarily taking a quarterback with a second overall pick. But if they do get Deshaun Watson, do decide to, to <coughs> excuse me, take a rookie, I think Washington makes some sense. You know, you're looking at a team that uh, lost out on what they thought was going to be their franchise quarterback. I mean, Haskins not working out. Um, Darnold could come in, you know, whether it's in tandem with Alex Smith. Uh, Smith assumes the backup role. Smith takes the mentorship role. Um, I think Washington's going to be in the market for a quarterback that still has some upside. And I think Darnold, if he's <laughs> able to be uh, acquired cheaply, which I think it, it will be the case, knowing that the Jets have all the leverage here, um, I can see Washington as the, the next uh, destination for, for Sam Darwin in 2021. I would love that. I feel like that he hasn't gotten the right chance playing with Adam Gase his whole career, having no receivers. Jamison Crowder hitting his number one. I don't think he's a legit number one receiver. I would love to see him in an offense better suited for him with a coach that actually knows how to coach and with actual weapons. So I, I like that call with Washington. Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas there. Love that call. Johnny, what about you? What are you thinking? I think uh, maybe the Bears, I think, would be funny. They trade one disappointing quarterback out for another one, but the coaching has to be better than Adam Gase, like you alluded to. So maybe they really think they have something there and they can turn him around. Doc, what about you? I think he stays with the Jets. We looked at Josh Rosen a couple of years ago. He was taken, I think, 10th. And then the next year, Cliff Kingsbury comes in. Everybody knows that they're going to select Kyler Murray, number one, even though they try putting up a smoke screen. And you end up getting a third-round pick for him. And that looks really bad that you invested a top-10 pick on a quarterback, aren't even giving him a chance with a new head coach. I think he stays in New York for one more year. They try to build up his trade value a little bit more and then maybe get a second-round pick because I don't think if you sent if you traded him now, you'd get that in return. Do you the one think- thing about it, though, is if you just look at the track record of everybody that's left Adam Gates, He's going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. He is. <laughs> the, the, the sky's the limit right now. That's true. I mean, I you should be his agent. <laughs> there, there you go. I want to be respectful of Jamie's time, so let's move to the next guy here. And have you seen this player? He doesn't play on fourth downs with the game on the line, apparently. <laughs> and there's a new hot shot in town that does the same job he does. It's been said he's unsure of his future and could be seen hitchhiking to another city. So, Jamie... Where will we find Aaron Rodgers in 2021? Yeah, I think uh, the, 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 now that the dust has settled on the game, uh, you know, you saw some of the comments today on, uh, on Tuesday that he's, he's most likely back in Green Bay. You know, I, I think at this point, you know, he's, he's probably surveying the landscape and saying, you know, I could be successful here. I could be successful there. Uh, but he's gone to back-to-back NFC Championship games. And while they have struggled in those games, clearly, um, I think it, it just it, it makes too much sense for him to stay in Green Bay another year. Jordan Love's not ready to play. I mean, you know, the Packers aren't stupid. You know, you heard uh, uh, the general manager come out and say, you know, we're not idiots. We're not getting rid of Aaron Rodgers. So it'd be it'd be shocking at this point. Um, I think San Francisco would probably be the destination for him. You know, to uh, to go back to to California to you know maybe take on what could have been his career. You know, had the 49ers made the right choice as opposed to taking Alex Smith. You know, not that you can fault them at the time for what Alex Smith was, but you can certainly fault them now knowing that Aaron Rodgers is uh, potentially on the Mount Rushmore quarterbacks in, in, in NFL history. Um, uh, you know, I, that's the only team really I could see him leaving for if that's where he wants to go. But I'd be surprised if he's anywhere other than Green Bay. Doc, do you echo the same sentiments as well? I don't think he comes back to Green Bay. I think he... Oh. I think he maybe forces his hand in re- into retirement. He did hint that he is uh, hosting Jeopardy in the offseason. So he, so he, I mean, he called his future a beautiful mystery, and I think that's being as cloudy as possible without speculation. 
I would love for him to go to the 49ers, and if that's where he decided to waive his no-trade clause. But I could actually see him in a New Orleans Saints uniform. And I think the Saints would have to trade someone like Jameis Winston, who could be your bridge starter, some uh, some picks. And then they are over the salary cap, so they might have to trade some talent as well. I'm not saying they're trading Michael Thomas, but maybe there is some deal in place where they get rid of some players that have some value that are making a decent amount of money so they can get under the cap but still kind of be in this championship window. That's a lot to unpack there. We don't have the time to unpack everything you just said between him retiring or going to the Saints. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, let's, be go, let's go to Johnny here. Give us your thoughts. Uh, I thought he was going to stay because he doesn't seem like the person who will force the issue and, and force his way out. And I mean, there is precedent in Green Bay where younger quarterbacks sit for a few years uh, instead of taking over the reins. But I really liked Eric's scenario with the New Orleans Saints. So I'm flip flopping. And, you know, he cut out his family, so maybe he cuts out the team that drafted him. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, let's move to the last guy here. And have you seen this Eagle Scout? He says all the right things, but doesn't seem like the head scout he was a few years ago. With the scout leader ousted, who knows where this one will go? Which troop will we see Carson Wentz in next year, Jamie? You know, it seemed like Indianapolis was uh, was the most likely landing spot, obviously, with the connection to Frank Reich and the need with uh, with Philip Rivers gone. But, you know, Matthew Stafford, I think, is going to ruin that for Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the the way that it unfolded for the Eagles with them firing, um, you know, Doug Peterson, they sided with Carson Wentz, uh, you know, which is unfortunate because I, I like Jalen Hurts. I want to see Jalen Hurts more. Uh, I'd like to see him stay as the, as the starting quarterback, and that may happen. You know, I uh, – you, know, you may see him win the job uh, with a new regime, but it seems as if they're going to try and resurrect Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. So uh, get used to that, Eagles fans, because I think he's staying. I think he's going to be a starter again in 2021. So my question then is, in the today's day and age of NFL, you can force a trade whenever you want. Contracts don't matter. If you're Jalen Hurts and he's announced back as a backup, does he get uncomfortable and try to force his way out, do you think? I don't think so. Uh, you know, they, they he's so cheap, you know, and, and – the longer you play out the Wentz contract, the cheaper it becomes. You know, next year it, it, it's it's a burden to trade him. You know, they, they take too much of a cap hit and there's too much dead money involved. So I think if they play it out for another season and they see if they can get Carson Wentz back on track and then maybe his trade value in 2022 is a little bit better because the contract's easier to trade. But I don't see them moving on from Jalen Hurts because he's under control and makes too much sense to keep him based on the money. Doc, what about you? What do you think for Carson Wentz? Yeah, I think – Either he stays with the Eagles or that he goes to the Colts. I think those are the only two logical destinations. And I'm actually leaning towards the Colts because the Eagles have a lack of playmakers. I know they're going to cut Alshon Jeffrey. Zach Hurts has lo- looks like he's lost a step. And I think when you have uh, receivers or tight ends that can't get separation, your best success is having a mobile quarterback. And we saw the Eagles, how rejuvenated they were. Their offense looked when they had Jalen Hurts play. And... I think with Carson Wentz, this is probably the highest that his value will be um, because he did show that he was healthy for this entire season. Durability is not his strong suit. So I think they'll trade him to the Colts. It's a marriage once again between him and Frank Wright, and everybody's happy. The only thing I'll, I'll push back on that is I think it's a little more Stafford just because John Dorsey just got hired to run help in the front office. And John Dorsey and Chris Ballard have a very close connection from being a Chiefs fan from their time in Kansas City together. And I think that I see them making a trade work 
rather than someone from Philadelphia making that. I know Frank Wright is obviously a good guy to communicate with, but I think that Chris Powell, Chris Ballard and, and John Dorsey connection make a lot more sense to me. I could see that actually going down more so than the Carson one scenario. Johnny finished this one out for us. Um, I think it's a little bit uh, out of the box, but I think the new England Patriots make a trade for him. They have a ton of cap space and, Cam was not as explosive after he got COVID uh, as he was right at the beginning of the season for like two whole games. And this is sort of uncharted territory for them. So we can't really base it on prior experience because they've literally had Tom Brady for two decades. So I think they actually make a splash here uh, to try and recover to what they once were. That's fair. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be very interesting just because I think Adam Schefter tweeted not too long ago, actually, that he said it looks like only 10 quarterbacks are in place, firmly in place for next year. So we may see a quarterback carousel that we've <laughs> never seen before. It's going to be or, wild. Or everybody stays where they are. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be kind of disappointing. But that was a great discussion. Let's move now to our question of the week. And our question of the week is sponsored by Shady Rays. So what do you like to wear when it's sunny? When you're playing football, trying to catch a 50-yard bomb from Jamie Eisenberg. What about playing poker or even podcasting? That's right. You wear shades, but you're getting tired of getting ones that don't work or that don't make you look totally fabulous. Shady Rays is here to change the game, and they want you to have the best quality, most polarizing, and affordable shades that you can wear for any occasion. Whether your sunglasses break, get scratched, lost, broken by an errant throw, they'll replace that good old thing for you. For every order placed, Shady Rays donates 10 meals to Feeding America and have over 13 million donated meals to date. And if you like what you're hearing, use code TRIPLEPLAY at checkout and you get 25% off your order of Shades, excluding the RX series. That's quite a deal. And if you have trouble hearing me, I'll repeat that a little louder. That's 25% off with the code TRIPLEPLAY. Don't throw shade. Instead, wear them and use Shady Rays. All right, so our question of the week this week, which player you could have past or present do you feel most comfortable and least comfortable if they were babysitting your kids? Jamie, you're the only one of us that has kids right now, so we're going to speak metaphorically, of course, because not quite there yet for us. Uh, why don't you start it off from both sides, who you would and who you would not want to babysit? Um, so when you asked when you, you know, sent me the notes for the show, uh, the first guy that popped in my head was uh, Julian Edelman to watch my kids. And I know he's had some minor off field, <laughs> you know, beating up a car uh, in, in particular. Um, but, uh, he wrote a kid's book called flying high. Uh, it's about a squirrel. It's basically, you know, a story about himself, but it's a kid's book. It's a cartoon. And for about, you know, three weeks, my kids asked to read it over and over and over and over again. So I think if he actually showed up and read the book himself, my kids would be thrilled. My, my oldest one has a Julian Edelman Jersey. Uh, that's how much he liked Julian Edelman. So um, that was the, that was the one that came to mind in terms of watching my children. And the other side of that, I would actually let this person watch my children because I think he would toughen them up, but he's the scariest football player I've ever seen. And it's James Harrison. Um, <laughs> the, the thing that I like about it is if you remember, there was a story about him, uh, uh talking about participation trophies and, uh, I coach my kids in a lot of sports and there, there's a few leagues that we do that they get participation trophies. Most of the leagues that they do. Um, thankfully they make you earn your, your trophies. You have to, you know, finish first or second to, to get some sort of reward. Um, so I understand participation trophies and what they mean for kids, but I like the fact that there was actually an athlete that said, you know, uh, make kids earn their, earn their reward and earn, earn their trophies. Uh, so 
I wouldn't mind if he toughened them up a little bit, but also, you know, he's, he's, he's a scary individual. You know, he's, uh, yeah. he's still getting commercials because he's such a scary dude, um, you know, for what he did on the field. But I do think he's a good parent based on some of the things I've heard. Hey, Jamie, so if your kids get a participation trophy, are you keeping it or are you throwing it away? Uh, they have them. Um, so there's a, I won't say the, the league because I think it's a national thing, but there, there's a league that uh, they take part in when they start at three. And they give them participation trophies. At that age, I'm fine with it because, you know, kids like the shiny thing. Um, but the ones that we display in their rooms and in the house are the ones that they've earned. So um, my, my kids have been fortunate enough. They're, they mostly play baseball. Um, so my older one has won two, uh, two titles uh, in T-ball. <laughs> um, and his younger brother just won his first one. So those trophies are the ones that are on display as opposed to the participation trophies that they got for playing these sports year over year over year. Those are two great choices. I, I think because I know these two and they're going to be going in a completely different direction. So I'm glad you started off the right way, Jamie. Johnny, I, I know where you're going. Please surprise me and tell me you're going to go somewhere well, else. The player I players I feel most comfortable would be the players that have had the most kids, Philip Rivers and Antonio Camardi. <laughs> oh my gosh, you stole my answer. <laughs> you know, they they have uh they have all the experience in that regard. And David. I'm going to go in an opposite direction. You really set yourself up here for a Tyreek Hill joke who I at least want to watch my kids. I'm not going to touch it. It's too mm -hmm. obvious. <laughs> uh, I'm going with Derek Carr because he fumbles it every time he's sacked. So is he going to drop my kid or something? Like, uh, <laughs> I like that curveball because you went from insulting <laughs> my team to your team. So that, that's fine with me. Doc, do you have a backup or are those? do you want to just echo the same thing? I'm going to say Phillip Rivers because he also doesn't cuss. So my kids won't. <laughs> My future kids won't learn the, won't learn those words, and will say "Dad Gummin" instead, which I think is funny. <laughs> and then for who I'm not allowing my kid to be supervised under the, is Adrian Peterson. We already know how he disciplines, so I yeah. I don't think I'd want my kids uh, disciplined with a switch. Yeah, I mean, can't argue with those. I like that Jamie had a, a bright spin to turn on to it, though, because <laughs> that's that's being positive. I like that more. Uh, but let's, without hesitating anymore, let's go to our last segment, and that's our game of the week. And our game of the week, Jamie, we always do a different game every single week whenever we have a guest on. And for this week, we like to give you a little bit of triple play fantasies version of this or that, guaranteed to be the hardest questions you've ever had to answer. Are you game? I'm game. All right, so we've got 10 questions here. Just pick one of the, the choices that you have offered, starting with number one. Who would be the worst to lose to in a fantasy championship? Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, or Adam Azer? Oh, boy. Uh, I lost all three of them. So who was the worst to me? Um, probably Azer, simply because uh, he, he likes to let you know when he wins things. <laughs> if I threw Will Brinson in that category, would that change it? Oh, yeah. Will's the worst. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on a text chain with uh, Will Brinson, Pete Prisco, and Nick Costas, who is a former colleague of ours. Uh, he works for Intercom Radio now. And it's uh, one of the most painstaking text chains ever, but it makes me laugh every five minutes. But it's mostly because those guys just all talk. We all talk trash to each other. And uh, Will, Will uh, would never let – thankfully, I never lost to Will in a championship game, but Will will never <laughs> let me live it down. And uh, Will is notorious for always showing up late to the mock drafts that we do. And so I think my, uh, we're in a dynasty league together. My team name is Where's Will. It's a picture of his mugshot. And the funny thing about this is a 14-team league. Will gets text messages from other people in the league asking to make trades with my roster because they think it's him. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> hilarious. I, I'm not it's surprised. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Second question. The better Jay Z Jamie the better Jesse Eisenberg movie, Social Network, Art of Defense, or Now You See Me. Art of Defense is a very underrated one, uh, but obviously got to go Social Network. Um, you know, he was uh, nominated for Academy Award. Um, it's uh, it's a fantastic movie. Obviously, it's uh, something that will be relevant for many, many years to come because it's based on Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, just an amazing film. Um, you know, couldn't be more proud of him. But uh, all, all three of those, all three of those are, are very, very good. But the Art of Defense, most people don't know. So I, I appreciate you bringing that one up. If Jesse Eisenberg is a gritty Michael Sarah, would you consider yourself a more gritty Jesse Eisenberg? <laughs> um, I, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> John was proud of that one. <laughs> Next question. Would you rather clog the toilet at your wife's house on your guy's first date or at CBS headquarters and everybody know it's you? Oh, boy. Um, I guess I could say my wife's house and she's married. She married me already. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not that that's happened, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, you, you'd rather have that be, you know, a one-on-one -on -one conversation as opposed to everybody else knowing what you did. Yeah, right. never, the CBS crew will never let you forget it. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right. Would you rather fulfill your biggest wish or resolve your biggest regret? That's a good one. Um, probably, probably fulfill my biggest wish because that could probably still resolve my, my biggest regret. All right, I like that. Um, would you rather have finger-sized nipples or nipple-sized fingers? Uh, <laughs> um, nipple-sized fingers, I guess. <laughs> so Matthew Barry was on last week, and he found a loophole in it, and he said if they were finger-sized nipples, they could be completely flat, and no one could see them. Because I originally was saying that it would be like sticking out where oh, it would be. Only when it's cold, David. Yeah, so... But no, I like that answer. Uh, what about this next one? Eat the same meal every day for the rest of your life or never use Twitter again? Oh, never use Twitter again. <laughs> that was easy. Yeah, that was the easiest one so far. Pop-Tarts or toaster strudels? Pop-Tarts. Which flavor? Um, I haven't had a Pop-Tart. I, I went, uh, which was part of the reason like I, I, I feel like I've gotten um, – uh, out of shape. I, I, I went through a phase where I ate Pop-Tarts. You want to talk about eating the same meal every day. I probably ate Pop-Tarts like four times a week. And it was, uh, it was uh, I guess it was a strawberry. Uh, I don't really recall. We were in our vending machine at, at CBS. It was just, uh, I was, we just had, I think, our first kid. And um, it was always, you know, get him out of the house or get him you know, where he had to go. And I just didn't eat anything. So it was just uh, like a force of habit. Like you get into, you know, I'm sure you guys probably get into routines during football season. It was just like mm -hmm. a routine. Um, so the, the mere mention of Pop-Tart just like, uh, sent shivers down my spine. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't pick toaster strudels then just cause of yeah. the, uh, last two here. Would you rather wear underwear one size too small or shoes two sizes too big? Shoes two sizes too big. Right, last thing you want to be uncomfortable there. That very good point. <laughs> last one. This is the most important one. All right. Have a sleepover with Dan Marino, who, like I said, I know you said earlier, he's your idol. And you get to ask him everything you want for one night. Do whatever you want with the sleepover. But for that one year, I become <laughs> Why your does it have to be a sleepover, not like a dinner? I figured, I figured <laughs> I mean, dinner, dinner's only like an hour to sleepover. You can stay up all night talking. Like, why would you rather not have the sleepover? I, uh, I'm, I'm mad you didn't say slumber party. <laughs> but for that same year, I become your new intern. And you have to see my face interact with me every day. And I'm assuming after the nipple question, that's a scary thought. So would you do it? 
So it's either sleepover with Dan Marino or you're my intern every day. Well, no, you get to have that sleepover with Dan Marino and I become your intern. Or if you say no to Dan Marino, then I don't have to become your intern. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, I would take you as more than an intern. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you, you probably do a great job uh, based on how you're hosting the show here. So, um, but uh, I, I've had the pleasure of uh, not sleeping over with Dan Marino. <laughs> um, so uh, quick side note, the first uh, few years of our show, Fantasy Football Today, we used to film it in New York. And uh, Dave and I would alternate every week. We fly up every week. Uh, we would watch games with the CBS uh, Today, the NFL Today crew. Um, one of the highlights of my life was um, sitting in the same room. I mean, you want to talk about being a fly on the wall with uh, Chan Sharp and Boomer Sison and Dan Marino and just listening to them talk about games. It was just a, a, a wall of TVs, and, and they would sit there, and they would go, oh, look at this, look at this, look at this. And I'll, I'll never forget, um, at this point, I got a chance to know Dan a little bit. Um, from you know, just being around South Florida media and, and and being obviously in the in the opportunity to watch games with them, and so it was uh, the year that uh, Cam Newton set the his, his rookie season when he set the rec- rushing record for most touchdowns. Um, and I looked at Dan. I'm sitting next to him. I go, Dan, how many rushing touchdowns did you have? And he leans back in his chair and he goes, Do you think I care? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. Yeah, I think you probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's great. I don't remember ever hearing that story. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. So, so you're 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 hired. Uh yeah. You will come come work for us at CBS. You're, you're more than welcome. David was just fishing for compliments on that one. <laughs> uh, David's updating his resume right after this show. Uh, well, I don't want to hold Jamie any longer. Jamie, really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. It was an absolute pleasure to be able to talk to you tonight. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It's fun. Like I said, hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again. And, uh, um, you know, happy uh, invite you guys on, on our show as well. I would love that, Jamie. And, and before you head out of here, just can you let our listeners know in case they live under a rock, you know, where they can find you, the stuff that you're working on, any secret projects you want to plug or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, just check us out. CBS Sports, uh, you know, our podcast, you know, wherever podcasts are found. It's Fantasy Football Today. Um, you can check out uh, CBS Sports HQ. We'll have a uh, you know, CBS Super Bowl, so we have uh, a ton of coverage coming up over the next you know ten days or so. Um, I'll actually be in Tampa starting next uh, Monday, so um, it's always a uh, you know highlight of my life. You know, this will be the sixth Super Bowl that I've covered, and um, it's uh, it's more and more fun every time. This is a, a unique one, obviously, with the, the the circumstances around the around the world. But um, you know, hopefully, we'll make it work. And you know, check us out cbssports.com, CBS Sports HQ, and, and again, wherever podcasts are available. Best podcast in the game, and that's no question. Honestly, again, you learn so much, and they're such great guys. So make sure you check out the podcast. Also check out Jamie as well. Great follow and a great guy in the fantasy sports community for sure. Everybody listening, thank you so much for listening, watching. We'll catch you guys next week. See you guys soon.